My name is Jeremy Devins, and welcome back to the Quiet Mind Astrology Podcast, Season 3, Episode 2, all about the first house of Vedic astrology. So as I mentioned before, if you understand the zodiac, you have a pretty good idea of what the houses mean. It's not exact correlation, but it's a good starting point. And if you want to follow along with these episodes and go more in depth and sort of memorize and remember and write about these houses, you can go to quietmind.yoga houses to get the free PDF guide. So you can print that out and follow along. And you can also take notes if you don't want to print it out. But you can have that guide so you have a sort of framework of uh, making sense of this stuff. Right, so it's it's a lot. I mean, every day I'm learning something new about Vedic astrology or something new about yoga or Ayurveda. Uh, and it's just a continual, never-ending learning process. It never really ends. So uh, I just think if I can learn one thing today, then I've done a good amount. And if I learn more than one thing, that's great. But if I just learn at least one thing every day, then I'm making progress. And I know that I'll keep uh, integrating this stuff over time. Because it, it's a lifetime of study. There's so much to it. All right, so you can get that free guide at quietmind.yoga houses, and that's where you can download that. So let's talk about the first house. What is the first house all about? You can think of the, the sections of your birth chart as sort of different areas and themes of your life. So the first house uh, is like all about yourself, your body, your soul, and we go counterclockwise all the way around that birth chart to sort of transcendence or moksha or liberation in the 12th house, the most spiritual house, like the furthest from your home uh, It represents foreign lands and all that. We'll get into that as we get to it. But there's this sort of life cycle that happens from yourself in the first house to your family in the second house, your siblings in the third house, your mother, your home, your environments, your, your house, your car in the fourth house, and your children in the fifth house. And it just keeps going like this. And seventh house is your partner, tenth house your career, right? So we go all the way around the houses. And I'll, I'll get into that as we get to each one. But just so you have this sort of starting point of where we're going in the big overview I like to personally have a big overview of things when I'm learning them. So where the first house fits in that picture is it's all about you and yourself personally. No other house is specifically about that alone, right? So this is what first house is all about. And that's your body, your psychology, your personality, your appearance, your attitude towards life. It's actually similar to uh, interpretations for the sun. The sun is a, a kataka or signif significator of the first house. And uh, the body part associated with the first house is the head. So it's the first thing that people see about you. So when they think about who you are, they think about your face. And that's what really distinguishes us and our personalities. So the first house represents that. And you can tell a lot about somebody by their face and their appearance, right? Are they very well kept and put together and very neat and tidy? Maybe they have Virgo rising. Maybe they got Virgo in the first house. Are they very athletic and fit and muscular? You might be able to guess what they might have in their first house. This is the athletic warrior sign of Aries. 
or maybe they've got a lot of piercings and tattoos. My stepdad actually <laughs> was somebody like that. He had uh, tattoos on his face and a mohawk sometimes, uh, a lot of piercings, very creative looking sort of appearance. You might be able to guess what kind of, what house that might be that might, or what sign might be in the first house. It might be a Scorpio, right? Cause it represents these sort of more out there things that are a little atypical. Or if you could think of maybe there's somebody that just has like a very maternal presence. You're, you're around them and you just feel like loved and nurtured and cared for. And you might be able to guess what they have in their first house. Could be cancer, the sign of the mother, that sign ruled by the moon. So if they have all this, um, this certain energy in the first house, why might that be there, right? So this is getting into sort of the understanding of sort of the uh, sort of belief system of Vedic astrology of Jyotish, the science of light, and how how is it that maybe you're born with uh, Cancer rising, but somebody else is born with Capricorn rising, and that's the opposite sign, and maybe a very different dispositions. One of the theories, and I think of it as this is just an interesting way to look at things, and you know, for me, I'm all about what can we. Uh, take from ancient wisdom and what can we validate with modern science and what can we validate with our own experience so me personally i don't have a lot of experience with past life sort of stuff but it is baked into indian philosophy and indian history so that's part of jyotish as well is this idea of that maybe your current rising sign in this lifetime what's in your first house is there because it's the opposite of what's in your seventh house and in your past life, the life before this, there was some sort of circumstance where you had this desire and desire is really the driving force of the universe that keeps us going forward. So there was some desire at the end of your last life to have a different experience. So now here you are having this different experience than you had in your last lifetime. For example, if you had in your last lifetime, right? Again, just going with this story and this idea and this concept, I don't personally, I can't really say from my own experience whether I believe in past lives or not, but studying the system, it's part of the system, so it's interesting to look at. And I think as I get into it, it might make a little more sense. So <clears throat> say in your last lifetime, you were very disciplined, structured, hard work, all about work and maybe at the expense of your home life. And you know maybe you're like that in this lifetime. Who knows? But uh, maybe in your last lifetime, that's that's why that's what your life was like. You're all about work, no play, no family. Uh, and then you got to the end of your life, and you thought, man, what have I done? Like I haven't spent any time with my kids. I haven't got to see my family. Like I haven't got to, my kids just grew up, and I was just working the whole time. So there's this desire to have a different experience, and then then you come back into this new lifetime, and you have the uh, cancer rising sign which is all about family and home life so now that's the top priority and that's where you focus in this lifetime and from my so this is my experience when I look at this stuff and look at it myself and other people's charts how this actually plays out is there's this sort of almost a default where for example cancer rising almost wants to has a sort of pull to work to give a lot to others to be of service to others and focus on that 
but there's this, also this part of them that craves the home life and to to live in, you know, have the nurturing family and, and sort of connection and and uh, home life that cancer is all about. So there's this sort of push pull that actually happens in this lifetime, and this is where I can actually see it play out in a way that I can validate with my own experience and looking at other people's charts as well. So maybe you have this for yourself. If you don't know your rising sign, you can email me at jeremydevins at gmail.com. We can schedule a reading. But when you know your rising sign, if you look at the opposite of that, is that true for you, right? So maybe you have, uh, for example, uh, Virgo rising. So you're very, in this lifetime, more detail-oriented. But maybe in their last lifetime, you were more like uh, Pisces, less detail-oriented, just kind of go with the flow to the point where it's almost at your expense, where it's like things were just too loose and you're just like, you got towards the end of your life and you had this desire that you you wish you had more structure and you maybe you wanted things to be more structured and focused and intentional and uh, less chaotic in a way. Right, not to say that if you're uh, Pisces rising that your life is chaos, but I think maybe you're, you tend more towards, as you as you can probably attest for yourself, they tend more towards the going with the flow rather than sticking to a plan, right? So the sort of contrast between Virgo and Pisces might have played out in a past life to this life, but maybe it actually plays out in this lifetime where it's been a struggle for you to sort of balance this, this quality of either going with the flow or having a plan and sticking with that plan. So that might show up if you're like a Virgo rising, you could you could see that and have that experience. So I've kind of interchangeably used the word rising sign in first house. So the first house, what is in the first house, if there's not a planet, there's at least a sign, no matter what, there's always a sign in a house. So whatever sign is there is the one that was rising on the Eastern horizon at the moment you were born. And so from the Vedic perspective, again, you chose to be born at a specific time for a specific reason to have a certain experience in this lifetime. And that actually is a little fatalistic, but I think it's actually empowering to think, okay, so I chose all this. Even if things are happening that maybe I didn't want to happen or that were uncomfortable or painful or difficult, that perspective of at some point in the past, I said, I want to have this experience so I can learn from it. Now, zoom into the present moment. What can I learn from this difficulty that I'm going through? What can I learn from this thing that I absolutely think I don't want to be happening? What if I actually, what if that's exactly what I wanted to happen? What if there was some point in the past where I said, I want to have this experience that sucks so that I can learn this lesson and uh, have some growth from that? So I think that's really empowering, actually. So working with the first house, what can we do to strengthen it and sort of bring out the best qualities of it? Always, always, always spiritual practice changes everything in your chart. So you could have Saturn and Rahu in your first house, which are considered malefic planets, and they can be they can bring a lot of challenges to your body, your self-image, your psychology, your personality, your appearance, all these things, your attitude towards life. So you've got some challenges there. So the first house, as I mentioned before, it's one of the Dharma houses with the first, fifth, and ninth house. So you can do things that strengthen the first house, such as having a spiritual practice. If there's, for example, Saturn there, you could do a Saturn mudra, the thumb to middle finger. Uh, if it's if it's not there, if there's not a planet there, and it's just challenging in general, 
in general, working with the first house, you want to strengthen the sun. Because the sun is a significant significator. Signif <laughs> I'll, I'll struggle with that word a lot. Significator. I'll get it. Significator. Or in Sanskrit, karaka. A karaka of the first house. So it's a... So if you want to understand the first house, you also want to understand what the sun's doing in your chart. That gives you a better example of this of the first house, your vitality, your health, your appearance. So you want to strengthen the sun for sure to make sure the first house is strong. And if it's overly, if the sun is already super strong maybe from other some other placement, and you've got an overemphasis on your self-image, and you've got a really big ego about it, then you want to cool it off and do things that are going to increase the moon qualities and and focus on service and working with others. But in general, if there's a lot going on in your first house, you're going to be very self-oriented, self-centered at an extreme, selfish at an extreme. But if you don't have a lot going on in the first house, or if you've got Ketu there, which is detachment, you, you don't care. You're detached from the body. You're like, I'm not so interested in the body. I'm, I'm interested in other people. Like I want to be with other people. I want to work with people, help people. I'm interested in more spiritual pursuits, right? So if you've got a lot going on in your first house, a lot of focus on the self. Not a lot going on in the first house, a lot of focus on others. Uh, the body part associated with the first house is the head. So the, again, our appearance, our face uh, says a lot about us. And we, we see that from each other. And we think of each other that way. Uh, we think of each other by our face. Pranayama that you can do to work with this is ujjayi pranayama. Uh, I'd say also brahmani breathing. This creates like a humming sound in the in the face. Uh, so it brings a lot of uh, focus to the face. Uh, you can feel the sinuses a lot when you do that, sort of like a humming breath. Uh, Kapalabhati, the sort of uh, quick exhales, like the rapid exhales through the nose. That also uh, can strengthen the first house. The mudra you can do is the Surya mudra, the thumb to the ring finger. And the day of the week that you can strengthen the first house, your sense of self, is Sunday. is a great day to you know take care of your health, your psychology. Uh, if you're going to go to therapy, if you're going to do things that are therapeutic for you, uh, if you're going to take care of your physical body, Sunday is a great day to do that. So again, I mentioned it's a Dharma house with the first, fifth, and ninth, which I'll get to when we get to the fifth and ninth. But for the first house, if you want to understand who you are, why you're here, your soul, you look at the first house. You look at what's opposite, the sign opposite, and maybe that gives you a little clue of the sort of push-pull dynamic you might experience in this lifetime. Of uh, this sort of, again, if it's uh, like cancer in the first house, you've got that sort of push-pull between wanting to give a lot of hard work and focus on work. But now wanting really in this lifetime to focus more on family, connection, friends, uh, relationships, and things like that, and taking care of others, uh, and being uh, more maternal, more uh, family-focused in this lifetime. Again, these I'm just talking about one aspect here. So if you have a lot of other stuff, if you got Rahu, you know, in Saturn there in the first house, that's going to change things a bit. So there's a lot of factors, but I'm just talking about those just by that one uh, relationship there. So yoga practice you could do to strengthen this is sun salutations. So as you can see, again, working with the sun is going to strengthen the sense of the self. Uh, the sun represents the soul as well. So there's, there's a lot of relationship there between the first house and the sun. As always, uh, if you want to strengthen anything, if you want to ameliorate negative effects of your chart, 
even if you never learn anything about Vedic astrology, it's always going to be helpful to have a regular spiritual practice. It could be sitting in meditation for 10 minutes a day, and that's it. It could be living in an ashram for the next of your life, and that's it for you. Right, you, you know what's best for you. You, you. you know what your soul is called to do. And the real work is really just listening to that and not numbing it out, not stifling it so much that you can't hear it anymore. But just having that relationship to yourself. Right. So all of our struggles and challenges come from this confusion that we think that we are the body. You think that this first house, this is who I am. You look at my face, you look at my body, you look at my health my mind, my psychology, uh, my personality, that's me. But it's not you, that's just your sort of facade that you get to you know, walk around with this lifetime and, and uh, play with and experiment with and get to experience life experiences. But the real you is the Atman, the part of you that's underneath all that, watching it all. The part of you that actually gets to decide, like where am I going to put my attention? What am I gonna focus on today? And how am I going to use this vessel, this body, this personality? And that's where you develop a healthy ego. So you want to have an ego. Like you can't get through life without having an ego. Even if you're living in a cave, that's your identity. You're, I'm a monk in a cave, right? There's still an ego in that, even if it's really, really small. But you can't get through this life without having an identity, a mask you wear. So this first house is the mask you wear, but underneath it is the soul. It's the true self. It's the part of you that knows, okay, this is just a play and I'm going to play to my best of my ability and enjoy it while I'm here. But I'm not going to get so wrapped up in it and think like, that's it. Like it's life or death. Like this is who I am and that's it. And you know, and it's, everything's very serious and dramatic and emotional and high and low. Really, it's just a play. It's just an experience to, uh, to get to be in a body and experience human body. And the true self witnesses, observes, and chooses how to respond to life situations. And that is recognizing the light within yourself. And that's the whole practice of Jyotish, the science of light. So I hope this is helpful for you. And you can take notes in the free guide at quietmind.yoga/houses. Next week, we'll be talking all about the second house, which is really about your innate gifts, the things that you're born with. So it could be like your inherited resources or wealth that you get from the family. It could be natural abilities and skills that you have. And it's also your speech and what goes in and out of your mouth. So the food you eat, your diet. But your speech is one of the most powerful ways that you create karma in this lifetime and express yourself and express your soul and your true self and that light within you. So we'll be talking all about that next week on the Quiet Mind Astrology Podcast. Thanks for listening.